our cold open is going to come toward the end. It'll just feel really natural. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> because you said that, Mike, this is not yeah. the cold open. No, 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 no. This is not like this. Do, like do, something do, natural. Do, do. Ultra Precise, it's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guests today are two of the hosts of the Spirit Hunters podcast, formerly the Yu Yu Haku Show, which is a very fun name. Please welcome to the show, Joe and Patrick. Hey, what's good, y'all? How's it going, everybody? Welcome. Joe, Patrick, thank you so much for coming to the show. We're going to start off, as we always do whenever we have a brand new guest, which is by asking, how did you guys get into Full Metal Alchemist? Patrick, you go first, man. My story is pretty much how everybody sort of probably got into it back in the day is... You were staying up late trying to watch Case Close, an objectively better anime, and it would just come on afterwards, and you just couldn't turn it off because there's another episode of Case Close afterwards, and you had to sit through the original Full Metal Alchemist, but you know what? That, that's how I got into it. I mean, it was all right. There's some pretty decent stuff in that. That was that way out on my mind, and years later, my friend and I did an anime trade where he would watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I would watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. What a trade. Yeah, he got the better end of that bargain, and... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't as good as the uh, 2003 one, which I also didn't like very much. But uh, wow, firing shots, uh, very right out of the gate. Jesus yeah. Christ, <laughs> guys! I'm starting to suspect that one of these guests doesn't really like Full Metal Alchemist. No, we haven't never had any before. guest before that hasn't <laughs> liked Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's good to have a diverse, you know, diverse opinions. I compare Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood to ACDC. I really listened to it before, <laughs> and it was all right, and it's objectively good, and you know. <laughs> After a while, it seemed like the same old, same old, you know, back in black, you know, guitars, uh, guitars all the wah, wah, vocal stuff. And then, you know, a couple of years later, it's like, oh, friend tells me about the greatest band of all time and the music beats nothing. It's the greatest music of all time. He boots up the car stereo, puts the CD in and it's ACDC. And it's like, oh, yeah, ACDC. That's uh have you ever read the manga? No, I was thinking about it, but there's some valid reasons I like it. Some. Personal reasons, I'm not going to watch the dub ever again for obvious reasons. For the fact that the main character is voiced by a sex pest. That's the exact reason why I'm not going to watch it again, which is sad. I wasn't sure if it was cool to bring that up or not. It's good to reckon with what it is, which is the voice actor who voiced Ed in the dub has been accused of sexual assault and sexual harassment and seems to be not sorry about it. His name is Vic Minogna and... Oh yeah, I just couldn't remember his name, but... (laughs) Yeah, we, we we just couldn't remember his name. It's not like... We were, like, giving it power. Yeah, I wasn't sure what you guys were doing there. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just don't yeah, remember. I just couldn't remember, sorry. Yeah, there's, like, a bigger conversation to be had here about the media you choose to consume. But I'm biased toward the dub, personally, because I am a former voiceover agent, and I know those guys, you know? And oh, I know okay. Guys. I have a really big sadness for that, and I don't hold anybody against it that likes the dub, because I know a lot of people do like the because, you know, it's not just Vic, it's all these great actors, it's people like Chuck Huber, Chris Sabat, and all these other wonderful voice actors that bring these characters to life. I mean, that's one of the things I like about Full Metal Alchemist, is that besides Ed, who's the worst protagonist of all time, it actually is okay, full that with is some actually, of the- I'm gonna put a pin on that, we'll talk about that later, okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna start with a disclaimer. The views of Patrick do not represent those of the Spirit Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> But it's included inside of the Spirit Hunters, so... I don't know. We should be more open to criticize the things that are considered to be the best ever. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think there's a lot of uh, political issues to it, for sure. Um, and it's still, like, one of my top favorite anime of all time. I, I'd i say it's probably in contention for one, two, or three, more likely one or two. But I kind of got into it the more traditional route. Up late night one day, I just heard this kick-ass J-pop theme. 
I was watching FMA 2003 back in the day. I got to the ending and like you could tell shit was kind of falling apart at the end. And I was unaware at the time that it was because of the manga anime split. But like later when I found that out, I just stopped caring about 2003, like except for the first part, which I think holds up. And I need to rewatch to kind of better understand how it complements the newer series. But that being said, later on, when I was an undergrad, Brotherhood came about. That was like the first anime I had watched in a couple of years because I had kind of gotten out of anime for a while, just out of time's sake. I just didn't really make much time to watch anime at the time. And it really sunk its teeth into me. And like, I got pretty obsessed with it. And like, I view Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood from like a very philosophical perspective before like anything else. And because of that, I'm like fascinated by it and like kind of what it has to say. You could say that my experience with it is a lot more positive than Patrick's. Huh. You could say that. <laughs> Before we get things started, let's talk about this episode's director and writer. This episode, Family Portrait, was directed by Kurosato. They directed Ishvalan War Extermination and several others, where he talked about them. It was written by Mitsuhiro Tutsuhiya. They wrote several episodes before and after this one, and also wrote the next episode. Continuing that trend we pointed out last week about how the writers are sort of taking two episodes at a time. He also wrote The 520 Cents Promise, Reunion, Girl on the Battlefield, Good one. and The Arrogant Palm of a Small Human. These are all good ones. That confirms something that I thought of, which is that this episode is very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. This is yeah. the kind of analysis you can expect. I definitely think it is a really good episode, especially during my worst part of the show, which is the whole Briggs arc, which eh, oh I was not a god. big fan of. I what? disagree we entirely. Gotta, oh my god. What are you what, how could you say that? Patrick, you can't <laughs> just keep dropping these takes that we have to talk about when we have segments to do. Save it for when you get there, man. Gotcha. I'll, I'll keep my fire consumed. Now it's time for us to recap what happened in this week's episode through our improvised recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21-second recap of this week's events. And that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If it lands on one, it's me. If it lands on two, it's Arthur. If it lands on three, it's Mike. If it lands on four, it's Patrick. If it lands on five, it's Joe. And if it lands on six, we'll roll again. So now it's time to roll the dice. Five. Joe. Oh, goddamn. Okay. Three. Two, one, go. Uh, there's a flashback of uh, father of uh, Hohenheim realizing the mortality of his children and wife and decides to leave for their sake. Uh, goes to uh, Briggs where some soldiers are deployed underground and are attacked by a shadow full of eyes. Um, Raven, who is meeting with Olivier, uh, asks that she pour concrete over this and uh. kind of just... <laughs> it's revealed that Kimberly is also there and basically he's holding Winry hostage. Eventually, Olivier shows her hand, kills Raven and makes him a sacrifice for the country, a uh, Hitobashira, if you will. Like literally a human part of the support structure. Cool. That's pretty much everything that happened. This episode was really dense. I actually really did like this episode, not gonna lie. I think the one before that, 35, was a lot better, but I thought this one is still pretty good. I do agree with you, Patrick. It was a pretty slow chunk for a bit yeah and, that, and that's my problem with briggs is that it was a slow build-up to do that whole thing and that's why it's like my least favorite like even like the first episodes like but it's like fast paced and like oh hey here's a story here's the plot mm, you're in the universe and like a bunch happens in the first beginning of it so i think it's a great location it's done well once they get to it i can agree with that i think what i was thinking is probably that build-up that you guys are experiencing once you hit episode 35 it was like oh yeah this is really good but yeah like i said this episode is also pretty good too it sort of showed that sort of spy, Tinker Taylor soldier spy sort of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. That conspiracy theory idea, which is sort of something that Full Metal Alchemist plays a lot with, but not to the point where this would be the big thing you would sell somebody on the show. Like nobody would sell Full Metal Alchemist as a conspiracy show. I don't think that I'm the person to speak 
for this point <laughs> because you know but i just think olivier's character the way that they handle this hand on her shoulder massaging her touching her hands you think about it like the military is very patriarchal and you have father at the base of it it's such like a perfect fascist patriarchal takedown to have her rejected yeah i thought it was like a really great moment to have her literally stab the hand that's like groping her and talking yeah. about how great this is you know it was satisfying that was such a good moment i loved it it was amazing like she's really is loyal to her men i mean yeah they're all part of a fascist state but she's better than raven for sure and then she buries raven in cement and she says that now you will be the foundation of this country. That was such a good turn of phrase. I don't For know sure. if they localized that really well or what, but that was awesome. I think it's intended in the Japanese because the reason I brought up Hitobatrida, which literally just means human pillar, is because that's like an ancient tradition of like throwing people into the foundations of a building in order to hold up the building in Japan. Wow. It's like an ancient tradition based on like an old superstition, but like not only that, but every time any of the homunculi has used the word sacrifice, what they're actually saying is Hitobashira which does mean sacrifice, but has the literal meaning of like structural sacrifice. Oh, that's huh. interesting. Wow. Yeah. It's almost like fascism exists on a platform of dead people. <laughs> you should write that down. <laughs> write that down, write... write that down. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that's super good. I did find it interesting that the thing that I think prompted her to act like that was the moment when Raven said, it is people like you who will build our brand new future for our country or something like that. He's basically going, people who don't follow orders people like you are going to be the future of a new country. And maybe this is just me interpreting it too much on my own thing, but I kind of imagine that hearing that, you know, whatever her plan is from now on, she's not going to do it by Raven's terms. And Raven represents the vision that has led a master to the state to this today. Yep. I don't think you're reaching there earlier when she had expressed sort of internally her worry that um, when Raven basically said that there's, you know, no guarantees about who's going to be saved. She doesn't know if she's going to be saved. She doesn't know if he's going to be saved. And it's the point where like, in her mind, she could be doing the little political calculus of realizing the whole thing's like a fascism and the military state is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> got me thinking about mm -hmm. <laughs> capitalism and the business and entertainment. <laughs> it just got me thinking. About and, and like character building like that is what I really loved about the show is that I think it's a great show filled with some of the best written characters, but like one of the worst protagonists. And that's why I had an issue with Ed. Like even Al, like he steals the show most of the time. And that's why it's always like a struggle with me is that there's just so many good characters. I don't mean to be confrontative, but what is your deal with that? I, I, was I really want to know, like, what is your deal? I just think he is just a very bland protagonist in a world of great characters. He's sort of the, I guess, the odd man out where it's like, I want to learn more about these characters. Like, I want to learn more of Winry. I want to learn more about Al. I want to learn more about, you know, the Armstrongs. But it's like, Ed, it's like, uh, I don't need to. He's Isn't that, that his goals are like traditional or like what about him? I guess just sort of dull goals. I mean, you already, it's basically a one note character in my opinion. A uh, big sad all the time and it's sort of mega immature to Al who should be the immature one in a way. My favorite moment with Al is when he was questioning his, if he was actually his brother or just some conjured up alchemist tool which I thought was amazingly interesting. And I never felt that Ed had a moment like that. I think that's part of Ed's character. He's not a philosopher. Like, he he likes to run in and punch things. And in some ways, I think it's sort of a self-aware portrayal of a protagonist-type person. 
that people kind of react to like, wow, you're a real hothead, aren't you? You know, we always talk about their wants and needs, you know, and I feel like we haven't mentioned it in a while. Ed always wants to be reactionary and Ed is like someone who you can always expect him to be reactionary, you know, and like short tempered. Reactionary in the sense of reacting, not in the sense of being a conservative person, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> he doesn't play his cards very close to his chest very often, you know. But he does best and he always wins and succeeds when he lets go of something, when he doesn't react the way you expected he would, when he forgives someone or when he lets something pass or he gives a gun back instead of taking it with him and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why it's interesting to see his character change and grow over the course of the season, because we see him start as a terrible protagonist and we see him become a good one over time. To get us back into the episode and to address what Mike and Arthur said, I actually do think he hasn't driven the action of the show for at least 10 episodes. Well, he's literally in jail. <laughs> well, but, but ever since they came out of Greed's stomach, Ed and now have sort of been the backseat to other people's machinations. Yeah, and that's kind of what I like about the show is that there's instances where it's not driven by that. And it's like, oh, hey, there's these awesome characters that are going to drive it, like the awesome driven characters that it's like to the point where it's like, I want them to be the show. Why can't they be the show? Why do I got to listen to this? character i just don't like i'm gonna chalk that up to thank you for saying that the world is strong <laughs> the world is very strong like i think the world is brilliant there's a lot of really interesting and brilliant things inside of the world that i'd love to explore i mean if i would honestly watch a spinoff of something like Ishvalan sort of led or something like maybe an origin story of somebody i'd probably watch that's what we thought about the movie the star of milos we thought right from the beginning this should not be about the Elric brothers. It's not like I'd want a hateful metal alchemist. I mean, it is kind of funny seeing people's reactions in some way to what I say, but there's just so much good in it. And it's just a bummer that I can't like vibe with it. Yeah, I think it's a totally legit opinion, diplomatically. <laughs> <laughs> funny story. This is the most Patrick and I have ever disagreed about anime and we run an anime podcast together and we've avoided <laughs> talking about this. It's a big opinion, but I'm super glad you're on here, Patrick, because it's led to such a good conversation. It feels slightly like we all went camping together and Patrick was in charge of the tents and then we get there and Patrick's like, okay, so everyone... We're going to be building our own shelters because I hate tents. <laughs> oh, I, th I thought you were going to say I burnt them all down. Yeah. yeah. It was risky and it might cancel somebody, but I mean, hey, at the end of the day, we had a fun time burying that body. Stand. Sure did. Bye, Patrick. Oh, stand. Jail time. Our fans will Bye, be happy Patrick. as long as we, we throw them a fresh panda time thing. No, know, we're not going to do that. A little oh, panda talk. Oh, I have panda thoughts. Oh, hey. great. Opening this segment of panda talk. Wait, are we, like, now? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, you would, once you, it's like it. Beetlejuice, except you only have to say it once. <laughs> yeah. Say your thoughts. I hate IRL pandas. I will not extrapolate on that, but I actually really like Xiaomei. For the viewers at home, IRL pandas are real pandas. Yes. <laughs> and, for, and they are also not viewers. Um, I actually have a, <laughs> I didn't even notice that part. <laughs> I actually have a recorded rant about how much I dislike pandas on an old podcast my friends run uh, called Impossible Coin Shoutouts. But like, long story short, I don't like real pandas. I like Xiaomei because, as you're aware, Mei Chang is the name of the character who she's with. Xiaomei literally just means little Mei. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she is the metaphor for who Mei is as this pathetic thing that That's like great. somehow finds its way through the world. 
I really like that as like an idea. That's great. So her patheticness is on purpose. Is there more dissenting views on the panda? I could squish her under my thumb. Okay, Michelle, we all know how you feel. Yeah, I love the people from Shane. They're awesome and... I'm really bad with names. The, the one guy for the longest time I got him confused is Kimberly. Ling. Oh, Ling? Yeah, yeah I got Ling and, and Kimberly confused because when he got taken over by that I was also confused for a moment. I yeah. literally got them to, those two confused for a little bit. Where has he been? Yeah, it occurred to me that we have not seen him for a very long time. Yeah, he's been doing things. He's up to something. But he's also really good. All right, let's, so let's just say hot take. Panda, Ed, Al, Mary, kill... Fuck Mary Kill. Mike. Fuck Mary Kill. Thank you. I don't, uh, I I'm gonna have to kill Al because I don't want to go to jail. I'll marry the panda and wait, what, wait, the other wait, 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 if it's in universe, I can kill them and have zero repercussions because I can just run away far away. You can do that in real life. Yeah, I, I guess, but like they don't have the investigation skills. They can't like CSI my thumbprints in 1912. All right, all right. All right. This has been another great segment of Panda Talk. What nice. the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Well, I'm trying to save the integrity of the segment. Oh my god. <laughs> And now it's time for us to check in with our other anime correspondent, Mintuzi Rapelli, who is making his way towards the world of Full Metal Alchemist, but stopping in a few different shows along the way. Let's see what show he is in today. Hello, squadron. Long time no face. I'm back over here in the cartoon realm in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ 2021. And I have found myself in the South or the Midwest or wherever it is in the country where people talk funny. That's right, I'm in Bless the Hearts. I genuinely like the show. Lots of little references I don't understand because of the whole foreign thing, but still a delight to be seen. Enjoy it. Wow. That, that was that quick. Guy, that guy's just blowing through it, man. I'd like to see that expense report, you know? <laughs> okay, guys. It's Hohenheim time. Why the hell was this flashback in this episode? Because it's awesome and it was good. But it yeah, has it nothing to do yeah. with the episode. Doesn't it, though? He was looking at a map right before he left, and that seemed to be when he decided to leave. And that was right after he had a conversation where he basically was pondering the mortality of his family. Yeah, I actually really did like that flashback. That was really yeah, I good it was cool. and touching. And I think this is a show that jumps around to lots of different characters, so I, I don't quite agree with you, Michelle, in that, like, why was it in this? It's like these plot lines kind of extend through many episodes. And you see him crying? It's so sad. <laughs> that was, I, I feel bad, but I laughed. <laughs> I laughed because he was so yeah. sad when they took the picture and he was crying. I put in my notes, really want to hug daddy. And his wife is like so accommodating. If you're just like, okay, I got to go. Usually they're not like, okay. <laughs> you know? Today, I found a very interesting thing online while looking for reactions for this week's episode. And I wanted to know if you guys could help me figure out what it means. But to do that, I have to bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. If you can, please help me understand what this person is talking about. Where I come from, they're saying that I think Eric Brothers should have thought about before embarking on dangerous mission. <laughs> the saying goes like this. Whoever that have a tail 
can go through fire. Can you repeat that? Whoever that have a tail can go through fire. Can you use that in a sentence? Uh, that sounds like some Chinese <laughs> proverb stuff right there. Whoever have I, a tail. I was thinking Eastern European. Yeah, uh, that sounds very yeah, right. That makes Smart sense. people. Here's what I think it means. If you're just a person, a random guy with nothing behind you, you're going to get burned up by the world and its challenges. But if you have a tail, a T-A-L-E, then you can walk through fire. You can do anything. If you have a story that gives your life meaning behind you, then you can walk through fire. Wait, just to confirm, it was not T-A-L-E, right? No, it was T-A-I-L. So Arthur is 100% wrong. <laughs> I had to try. Now, listener, if you want to find out what this saying actually means, stay until the end of the episode. Oh my god, did you look it up? Yes. Until then, that was First Take Theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. Anyway, Mike. Yes. It's now time for you to bat a thousand as you take the segment of Mikey at the bat. Great. <laughs> so natural. Well, so. screw you. <laughs> I have to so. come up with these on the spot. So how we talk. This is the moment <laughs> of the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, will you please describe what's going on in the thumbnail for next week's episode, The First Homunculus? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Horny bonk. <laughs> bonk. We just have Ed shirtless, sweating, looking really nervous, and Wenry's looking down, I assume, at his arm. The angle is suggestive. <laughs> the angle is suggestive, but I think it's his arm. It's one of his arms, all right? Come on, kids. It's his arm. <laughs> so it's called The First Homunculus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's about the second homunculus. No, no, it's about the first one. <laughs> it's about the first one. We're going to find out about the first one, but I think when uh, Scar reads the book in Ancient Ishvalan, from there we may learn a little bit about like what happened in Xerxes that influenced what happened in Ishval, that is influencing what's happening now, and it will involve the story of how the first homunculus was created. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode, giving it a score in the scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving it four stars. I really got nothing to say. I mean, we all talked about it. I think the moment with Olivier is one of the best moments of the entire series, but I wouldn't go so far as to call this one a five. I think the show is really going up and I'm excited to see what comes next. I think I'm going to give this one a five, which it's been a while since I gave an episode of five. It's been. But it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, I should have been like, it's been a while when you said that. <laughs> that had actually happened so yeah this is a five stars i guess there's degrees of five stars in to use mike's parlance i give it a slightly less enthusiastic five <laughs> thank you it works <laughs> pretty fantastic the storytelling was great i was super invested and it was one of those where even though we we're really in the middle of things and there's a lot of plot lines all stringing along and we're getting a little piece of each one i was really invested in every single one and it got me so excited about how they were all starting to come together. I am going to give it an extremely enthusiastic four stars. <laughs> I can't quite go five because I really do feel like it could just be, you know, one more zinger and I think it could have done it. But like, I'm going to say great episode. It was super great. 
It's super fantastic. How low does your scale go again? Zero. Probably 4.5. I think it was really good. Whoa. I think there's a lot of great wow, scenes. Okay. Like, oh my god, Patrick, you just built the... <laughs> you freaking scared us. Exactly, exactly. I think there are a lot of good scenes, Olivia, especially that whole buildup of him being creepy and then her just slashing his chest open, which I thought was fantastic. And the whole, the whole symbolism of him building into the foundation to build up his better future. I just thought there was a lot of really good scenes, especially with the Hohenheim, Open, Oppenheimer, whatever his name is, in the beginning with that flashback. Definitely was a high point in a already awful section of the show, so. I actually am probably gonna go lower than you guys, because <laughs> like for me, I like viewing episode ratings sort of like in the arc of the whole series. And there are some parts later that just like blow out the scale entirely. Yeah. But that being said, there are some like really good moments here, like Olivier killing Raven and the Hohenheim stuff. And so like, while my instinct would be like three or 3.5, I'm actually probably going to give it a four by virtue of those two scenes alone. My real rating is probably... It's a four-star episode with some five-star moments. I'm on the, it's a three-star episode with some five-star moments that bring it up to four. <laughs> Maybe that's a smart way of doing it. We're coming up on the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. And so I'd like to take this moment to thank our guests for coming. Joe, Patrick, thank you so much for being here. It's been a joy to have you guys here. It was really fun. And you're welcome to come back whenever you want to. We had a really good time. And I look forward to talking horrendously about the show in the future. If you decide to have me on, then. No, oh yeah, my definitely. God. You're stressful, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing some curveballs. Just so people know, some of it's a bit. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. There's no there's no bit. I'm serious, 100%. And if it is, I don't even know if I want to know that. Because I think we're all good friends now, and I think we're there. This is my impression of Patrick on this episode. Oh, no. See, I actually hate this show, and it's the worst. And uh, Ed is the worst character of all time. But when you think about it, it's actually really good. Uh, four, four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an accurate, accurate take. Fuck. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, oh, thank fun. you very much for having us. I've been listening for a while and really enjoy. That's fantastic. Please plug your podcast. Hey, uh, we're the Spirit Hunters, as mentioned before. We're a uh, podcast about Yoshihiro Tagashi, his influences on him, his works, and the works that were influenced by him, which include, you know, Yu Hakusho, which was his first major work, and Hunter Hunter. Uh, and we're going to eventually get into a lot of other stuff. Throughout the course of that, we've gotten into some like other random topics like linguistics and like history of like various scripts and sciences but uh patrick can tell you a little bit more about specific episodes i guess in terms of people like full Moon alchemist we had a, a chris tucker on who did the voice of did i just say chris tucker did you say chris tucker <laughs> hey. yo man we had a rush hour we had a rush hour episode i'm so stupid i'm so dumb no i i love it Edward, i really go let's get chris tucker on and just ask him about fma I definitely think an episode that's definitely related that we probably talked about earlier. I don't know if they cut it or not, but uh, in relation to Full Metal Alchemist, we had the voice of Shao Tucker, the Chuck Huber on, who, while mostly we've had him on for his voice of Hiei and Android 8... Was it Android 18? It was 17. 17. 17. I keep getting them mixed up. From, uh, from Dragon Ball Z. We did do a little talking about Shao Tucker and made a couple of jokes, and he did a couple of impressions of him on there. So I would definitely recommend checking that episode out if you're kind of want to get the vibe of our show and how we sort of run with it comedic wise and if you want to watch more i definitely recommend uh watching along with us uh, you hawk show and hunter hunter and maybe pootie tang for some reason oh uh, yeah we we did pootie tang and c lab 2021 for some reason and 2020 <laughs> well yeah thanks again for having us thanks guys and before we wrap things up can you guys please do your best full metal alchemist just like in the interstitials full metal alchemist boring ass show <laughs> 
No. <laughs> oh, I should have switched wow. with you. I should have switched with you. I'll do it for you. Okay. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, that's the tone I was going to go for. Fuck, never mind. We're good. We're good. We're going to get set on fire one day. No, Patrick is, man. Yeah, like seriously. But yeah, I am more than willing. If anybody wants to debate the validity of Full Metal Alchemist or want to argue any points with me, I'm more than willing to talk on our Twitter or my personal Twitter. Oh, what the fuck? See, now this is the sort of thing that goes at the beginning. This is the cold open stuff. Is it? And if you don't want to become the foundation to a country, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash fmanalysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That will be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. And I'm going to put this at the end of the episode. But the saying is an Argentine saying that it is actually, if you have a tail of straw, then keep away from the fire. Oh, oh. Jesus, that's, that's a bad translation. Really they seem to have forgotten a key element of that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to guess like a tail, like if you're like some sort of like animal person there from, from hell, you're not going to get burned, but like definitely not right. <laughs> you know, ultimately, it's all about acknowledging your vulnerabilities to certain situations. And not having a tail of straw. Exactly.